If you want to keep your kids with you, uh, I'm going to be showing some pictures of the temples. Uh, as I talk, this message won't be uh, that much over their heads, so you can do what you want with that. If you've got something for them, that's fine. So let me begin here. We're looking at the events of the end times. We're maintaining a perspective to avoid replacement theology because we want to keep Israel, both the people and the land, central to the prophecies that we're looking at. And we want to avoid getting the gospel wrong by thinking that the gospel is going to bring about a change in the world. It's actually a call to come out of the world uh, uh, along with Israel in anticipation of the return of Jesus and the kingdom being established in full. So, I'm going to bring up the uh, chart and uh, try to do the sharing of that. I've got to drop my... It's always more difficult when I haven't done it in a while. So, switch that. No, not from the beginning. Alright, so, um, do you guys see the message or my notes? We see your notes, Bruce. Okay, so then uh, something's... Something Bruce, it's the, um, we see the... Um, uh, Events of the end times. Yeah, it's the PowerPoint. You see the PowerPoint. Okay, yep. that's good. So I want to get to the one that we need. All right. So um, I'm having a little trouble with my... I don't, okay, I got it. All right. In the last several weeks, we have looked directly at uh, events connected with the Great Tribulation. Now, according to Jesus in the, in the Gospels, after the Great Tribulation, there will be signs in the heavens and on the earth, and at that time he will return to raise the dead believers and change the living ones. They'll be gathered together by the angels to be with him as he establishes the kingdom on earth. Also, according to Jesus, his followers should watch for the abomination of desolation, which Daniel spoke of. This event begins the Great Tribulation. So we have kind of the bookends there. It involves a stopping of the sacrifice and a setting up of the abomination of desolation in the place that Jesus says it should not be. Paul calls this the revealing of the man of sin in the temple, and John calls this one the beast. The Antichrist, another name for him, will demand that he be worshipped, and he will set up an image of himself in the temple. A second beast, serving as the false prophet, will bring that image to life in a parallel because the first beast is one who has a wound of death and is now alive again. So we saw last week that the man of sin will require everyone to worship him and to take a mark on the forehead or on the right hand of the name, uh, of his name or number, in order to buy or sell. Those who refuse because they keep the commandments of God and bear the testimony of Jesus will be captured, many of them, and killed as martyrs. Jesus warned that this would begin in Judea, 
where this event takes place, and he told his followers when it happens to get out of Judea immediately. He said, don't look back, don't go back into the house, don't take anything, just get out of there. So it's important to understand that that event that he tells us to look for precedes the Great Tribulation. And Jesus says this will take place in the holy place where he says it should not be. And according to Paul, it's in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So now we need to think about, at the present time, there is no temple in Jerusalem. But this event has to happen in a temple. So we have to examine the, the history of the temples in order to consider this. So I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 25. And we're going to go through the various, the tabernacle and the temples, so that we can see kind of a context for this. So in Exodus chapter 25, the scripture says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. From everyone whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution. And he tells what the contribution is. Then in verse 8 he says, Let them construct a sanctuary for me, that I may dwell among them. According to all that I am going to show you, as the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of its furniture, just so you shall construct it. So God commanded Moses to construct a sanctuary that he could dwell among Israel. In other words, by means of the tabernacle, God would dwell with Israel. And the tabernacle was to be constructed precisely according to the instructions and pattern given by God. We know from the book of Hebrews that this is a pattern of the true sanctuary which is in heaven. This earthly tabernacle then would be inhabited by the glory of God uh, and dwell with Israel in all of her wanderings. I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 40 because we need to look at what happened uh, at the time that this was constructed. Exodus chapter 40, beginning at verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, wherever the cloud was taken up over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day when it was taken up. And throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and there was a fire in it by night, in the sight of all the houses of Israel. So the tabernacle was this movable sanctuary that was built according to the pattern of the, of the heavenly one. And when it was dedicated, when it was constructed and set up, the glory of the Lord entered the Holy of Holies and the cloud over the top of it. And that presence of God dwelling with Israel was there. So that's an important thing. Now, going to move to the first temple uh, that was built by Solomon. David was bothered that his house was better than the Lord's. The Lord was still in the tabernacle at that time. And it was getting kind of old, and David thought, I want to build God a temple. 
And of course, Nathan told him, hey, go ahead. And then God told Nathan, no, you tell David not. So the Lord said he could not build it, but that a descendant of David would build one in the place where God would place his name, and that would be where his people would dwell again. You can read about that in 2 Kings 8.22 as the dedication of the temple takes place. It's a beautiful statement by Solomon that even includes Gentiles who hear about the God of Israel and pray towards that place that God would hear in heaven and he would answer. And so this would be a house of prayer for all peoples. In 2 Chronicles, we find out about the actual dedication of this first temple. So, if you'll turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, I'm going to pick it up in the first uh, three verses. Now, when Solomon finished praying, that's his prayer of dedication, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord filled the house. And all the sons of Israel, seeing the fire come down, and the glory of the Lord upon the house, bowed on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshipped and gave praise to the Lord, saying, Truly He is good, truly His mercy is everlasting. The glory of the Lord filled the house, the, the temple, in the same way that it filled the tabernacle. So full that people couldn't even enter into it. Now, I want you to turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 7. In Jeremiah chapter 7, God told Jeremiah to go stand in front of the temple. And he gave what is called by scholars the temple sermon. It's a very painful sermon. And I'm going to read it for you here. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah uh, from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house, and proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah, who enter by these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words, saying, This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly practice justice between a man and his neighbor, in other words, if you will obey the law and the prophets, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor walk after other gods to your own ruin, then I will let you dwell in this place and in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you are trusting in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal and murder and commit adultery, swear falsely and offer sacrifices to Baal, and walk after other gods which you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name, and say, We have been delivered that we may do these abominations? Has this house, which is called by my name, become a, become a den of robbers in your sight? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, declares the Lord. 
God spoke through Jeremiah and told him that he would destroy that, that temple. And he would send the people into exile, as he had promised in Deuteronomy, when he brought them into the land. He said, Moses said, you won't be able to do this, and you'll disobey the Lord, and he'll remove you, but he'll bring you back when you call out to him and repent. And so Jeremiah was told that they would be in exile for 70 years. Now, Ezekiel talks about this as well, and Ezekiel tells us that uh, in chapter 10 and chapter 11, he describes a very interesting thing. He describes the glory of the Lord departing before the temple is destroyed. He sees kind of a portable throne of God with the wheel and the wheel, and he sees the glory of the Lord lift up, and he sees it go, and he sees it exit out of the, uh, uh, over the Mount of the Olives and, and out. And Ezekiel is crying out to the Lord saying, are you going to kill everyone? Are they all going to die? Are you, is there, will there be no remnant? And we get to Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 16 through 20. This is critical words and this is not well understood by Christians in the replacement theology and in other things. So I want to read it to you. So, verse 16, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, this is Ezekiel chapter eleven, sixteen. Though I had removed them far away among the nations, and though I scattered them among the countries, yet I was a sanctuary for them a little while in the countries where they had gone. Therefore says, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the people, assemble you from the countries among which you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And when they come there, they will remove all of its detestable things and all the abominations from it, and I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them, and I will take their heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, and they will walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. Then they will be my people, and I shall be their God. Now, I want you to catch this. This is really important. The Lord is telling Ezekiel, I'm going into exile with Israel. I'm not throwing them away from me. I'm taking them out of the land. But where I put them, I'm going to. And I will be with them. And I will remain with them until I bring them back. That's true today as it was then. God is with Israel in the diaspora. And a remnant will return temporarily into what we call the Second Temple Period. Now I want you to turn with me uh, to the book of Ezra, and we will see that as well. Ezra chapter 1. In the first year, of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah. Jeremiah told him how long they would be there. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it in writing, saying, Thus says king, uh, Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judea. 
Whoever therefore among you, all his people, may God be with you. Let him go to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. So, Cyrus gives a decree and lets them do it. And if you read Ezra and Nehemiah, you will begin to get uh, the words of this remnant that comes back. The whole diaspora does not come back into the land. This is a temporary return into the land. And when they do, they build this temple, uh, this second temple. And I want you to see the dedication of that, which is in Ezra chapter 6. Ezra chapter 6, verse 15. The temple was completed on the third day of the month Adar. It was in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. And the sons of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the exiles that had come back into the land celebrated this dedication of this house of God with joy. And it tells what they... Um, did in terms of their offerings. Verse 18 says they appointed the priests to their divisions, the Levites to their orders, for the service of God of Jerusalem, as it is written in the book of Moses. So they reestablished the Levitical system. The exiles observed the Passover on the 14th of the month, of the first month, and the priests and the Levites purified themselves and they slaughtered the Passover lambs for all the exiles, both for their brothers, the priests, and for themselves. In other words, we have a reestablishment of the temple worship. Now, there is nothing in this text or any other text that shows the glory of the Lord returning and entering this temple as it did with the tabernacle and with the first temple. And during the entire history of the second temple, there is no Ark of the Covenant or glory of the Lord in the most holy place. That is significant. Under the control of uh, the Seleucids, the second temple begins to get defiled by pagan altars. Uh, and so the Maccabees revolt against them and they rededicate this temple and clean out all that stuff on the 25th of Kislev, which is the story of Hanukkah, or dedication, as they rededicate that temple. Now later, under the Romans, Herod renovates this and enhances the temple. And that process was still underway during the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus called that temple his father's house, and he predicted its destruction which took place in the year 70 of the secular calendar we call the Common Era, or the Christian calendar that we call Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord, 70. At Pentecost, prior to that, Shavuot, the Holy Spirit entered a remnant of Israel with tongues of fire. Later, that same Spirit would enter Gentiles, and Samaritans, and a certain group of disciples of John the Baptist. The glory of God is now dwelling in, he's with Israel in her diaspora, but he's dwelling in the body of Messiah, as we are described by both Peter and Paul as the temple of God, or a temple of God, to offer sacrifices. So God is dwelling with Israel in diaspora, 
and he is dwelling in the body of Messiah of Jews and Gentiles. It's important that we remember that the glory of the Lord remains with Israel in her dispersion and will continue to do that until he regathers them. Ezekiel, who saw the glory of the Lord depart, also saw it return, but he saw it return in a different temple. So I want you to turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 40. Bruce, I just want to clarify, we're still only seeing the very first um, screen that you have. You're not seeing yeah. the temples? No. Okay, let me uh, let me see if I can fix this. That's a shame because I have pictures of all this stuff. Uh, so let me uh, uh, let me try it again. So could you see the uh, Ezekiel temple now? Yes, that's what yeah. we see now. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, I'll send you out the uh, various ones. That's beautiful. Uh, So the Ezekiel Temple is found in Ezekiel chapter... Uh, Mike, I think you've got your your mic on. We're good. It's still on, Mike. Okay, now. All right, so Ezekiel chapter 40 says this. In the 25th year of our exile, at the beginning of the month, on the 10th of the month, in the 14th year, the city was taken on the same day by the hand of the Lord. And he brought me there, and in the visions of God, he brought me to the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain. Uh, To the south, there was a structure like a city. And he brought me there, and there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze and the line of flax and a measuring rod in his hand, and he was standing in the gateway. And the man said to me, Son of man, see with your eyes and hear with your ears and give attention to all I am going to show you, for you have been brought here in order to show it to you. Declare to the house of Israel all that you see. Now, in the following seven chapters, Ezekiel sees the house of God And he gives great detail that repeats the pattern of the temple of the tabernacle and the temples, but on a much grander scale. Now, many people have tried to show this on art and pictures, and that's one of these that we have here. But it's really difficult to approximate. But one thing is certain. It is a temple that is greater than the one before. Now, can you see the uh, comparisons? Did that change? Trevor, can you let me Yes, know? yes, yes. Okay, great, great, great. Okay, so, uh, I want you to see this. This slide shows the respective sizes, shapes, and the boundaries of the tabernacle. You can see the tabernacle there. And uh, each of the temples. And you'll notice that they get increasingly larger And the shape is significantly different with uh, Ezekiel's temple. And part of that, being square, may be related to it being closer to what we will see in the New Jerusalem, which is described by John as not having a temple because God is dwelling completely with them in that context. And it is described as a cube. 
So we begin to see this continuous experience of that um, expansion of the glory of the Lord in the temple. It is in that temple that Ezekiel sees the uh, um, the uh, glory of the Lord returning over the Mount of Olives and into the temple. Now I have to change something here, so let me stop the sharing. Having trouble with my tremor here. Okay, so are you seeing me or are you? I'm seeing you, Bruce. Okay, great. So let me fix one more thing. Okay, so um, with this background of the temples. We have to ask, what temple will the man of sin enter? And which will, uh, that temple will house the image of the beast that appears to be alive? There's a lot of speculation on this. I don't think it can be the temple of Ezekiel. That is probably the temple of the kingdom reign of the Messiah. And many, many Orthodox Jews believe that the Messiah himself will actually build that temple. And that may be the case. It's also the case that a temple will be built, it will be um, defiled, and he will cleanse it. Because as you recall, Yeshua, when he entered into heaven, has not completely fulfilled all of the ritual of Yom Kippur. The high priest goes in, he puts the blood on the holy place, and then he comes out and anoints blood on all of the furniture, cleansing the temple, and then sending the the other goat out into the wilderness. There is a lot that still needs to be done. So, uh, however, a temple of some sort must be built for this event that Jesus explains as the abomination of desolation, which inaugurates the Great Tribulation. Today in Israel, there's a group called the Temple Mount Institute, and they're hoping to rebuild a temple on the mountain where it once stood. But the Temple Mount presently has at least two mosques on it. Prophecy students, both serious ones and whack jobs, are making explanations of all of this. It seems to me that a temple of some sort must be in place for these events. But we do not know if that will be built immediately in the, uh, as a precursor of that, or some have suggested that, the seven-year covenant thing, or if the temple will be a time, uh, will be in place for a time before these things happen. The second temple began with an altar only, and then the sanctuary was built subsequently. Perhaps an altar will be in place, and the sacrifices would be begin in that context, and the temple would be built over the same time, and at some point in that holy place, this revelation of the man of sin will be revealed. There's a lot we don't know about that, and I'm not going to speculate beyond what I've already done. But the second temple uh, stood uh, when both Jesus and Paul spoke about this, and so there may be some connection to the rebuilding of that second temple in, in that sense, without the full glory of the Lord. Now, 
we have a lot of subjects to address, such as the great Babylon and its destruction and the wrath of God as revealed in the book of Revelation. But I don't want to go there yet. Next week or next time, I want to look at the birth pangs and the specific sequence that Jesus uses for the things that we have already looked. So I'm going to ask you to reread Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and Revelation 6. Read those chapters completely and be familiar with them because we're going to look at the order that's parallel in those next time. Now, I believe that the best approach to this subject is to look at the forest, then the trees. Too many people get lost in the weeds and twist scriptures when they look at these things. So I want us to get that big picture. We're going to do that next week as we look at Jesus' answers to his disciples about the temple and his coming and the end of the age. And his answers were not convoluted. They were pretty clear. But the commentaries of most Christians, they're very convoluted. So let's pray and then we'll open up for Q&A. Father, we